Welcome to this episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. As always, Alan Niven is here, our my wonderful co-host. And as you can see, Rob Halford, the metal god. Of course, the new book is called Confess. And uh, Sir, Sir Monsieur uh, Halford, as we say in Montreal, uh, bonjour, comment allez-vous? How are you? Oh, ça va. <laughs> ça va très bien. Je suis formidable. <laughs> yes, yes. So, uh, Alan, uh, I'll, I'll let you have the first words with Rob, because you two haven't spoken, I would think, since the 84 tour with Great White and, and, and Judas Priest? Rob and his band very kindly took out of a band I was working with called Great White, and we had an amazing six months Wow. And also keep in mind that when we went out with these guys, we were total freaking greenhorns. We didn't know our asses from our elbows. So it was a huge learning curve and a great one. And I don't know if uh, Rob knows this, but the way that we got that tour was I flew to London to sit on Bill Kerbishley's um, uh, front door step. Um, which was freezing fucking cold. And I sat there until he would see me. And I think it was three days. And you got the tour. That's, that's, an, that's an amazing story. And I, and I remember that too vividly. And it, it's pretty cool that, that you mentioned about the greenhorn aspect of, of what bands go through in learning to be who they are. And that's no different to when Priest came over to America and we opened up for all of these extraordinary bands, whether it was Fog Hat or REO Speedwagon, 38 Special, Molly Hatchet. Uh, you know, walking on, onto those stages with those great bands, which were obviously a completely and utterly different kind of music to what Priest was bringing out to the fans that night. Um, you do, you learn. You, you, in fact, I don't think you ever stop learning. I think there's always a little something that you can grab along the way that um, that can be put to good use. Yeah, in fact, let me, let me go ahead. I'll, I'll tell you that uh, we'd, we'd just done a month with uh, Whitesnake in the UK and we flew straight off the back end of that tour to start touring with you guys. And Bill kindly asked me if I wanted to come over and see you guys rehearse. And I went, yeah, sure, I need to see the stage. I want to get an idea. And it, to this day, I still talk about this. I went into that auditorium, sat down with Bill, who looked like he'd been through the ringer. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, well, let, let's see how, how this band are live and so on and so forth, you know, to see what they're going to represent to us. And I had an oh my God moment because I'd never heard anybody sing with such pitch and such power in my life before. And I was fucking blown away watching you rehearse. And then went back to Jack Russell and said, we've got to pull our socks up. <laughs> well, again, thank you for those beautiful words. And it works both ways. It works both ways. You know, when, when Priest opened up for um, Led Zeppelin down the green, I was on the side of the stage in awe of Robert Plant. And we do that for each, for each other as musicians. You know, we're always, we're always standing on each other's sh shoulders. 
so to speak. We're always inspiring. We've always got a story to tell about a band that we saw, a singer, a guitar player, a drummer, depending on our role in the bands that, that we work with. So that's just a beautiful way that we kind of keep passing on that rock and roll baton to each tour- other as we move along. Let me ask you uh, real quick about about Confess, uh, and I want to ask you about some of the content, but first just writing it. It is very honest. It is very, you, you lay it bare. Was there any concern that as people would read this, they would go, hey, and come back to you and, and be angry or be annoyed? Or did you just say, listen, I'm Rob Halford. I've been through it all 50 years. I'm just going to put out the truth. I mean, is this the unfiltered truth or did you still have that moment of, yeah, you know, Glenn might read this. Yeah, you know, KK might read this. Yeah, Jane, you know, how did you sort of approach the honesty factor on this one? Well, that's the way that, um, that's the way you kind of hand the reins over of your life to other people. Mm -hmm. You're in charge of the things that you want to think about and want to say. I've got no... I've got no uh, control over the reaction. And that's the same in music. We make the best music that we can make and we have no clue what the reaction is going to be. But I think in the terms of the content of this book and some of the, some of the, uh, some of the extreme elements and some of the more risque elements, it's me, man. This is just me, and uh, and I'm and I'm happy to share it and make of it what you will. You know. Let me ask you quickly about making music, and sometimes you don't know um, when you get working with Stock Aitking and Waterman, who had done, of course, the Kylie Minogues and and the uh, Rick Ashleys and all that. You do these songs with them, and then you say, "Okay, we're going to shell them," and you talk about it in the book. Um, what was the the desire to go there with them? Because music had become more and more commercialized by the end of the 80s. We were getting into the power ballad and the power ballad and the power ballad. And I've always said, you know, Nirvana didn't kill heavy metal or, or the 80s. Fucking power ballad killed it because every time a band put out, a band with balls put out a song, it was bloody power ballad. Um, talk, to me, talk to me about working with them and, and what was Priest trying to do at that time? Well, just to show that we had then, and we still do now, have a sense of adventure and a lot of fun with our music. We're fearless Mm -hmm. about taking all the opportunities that we have. It's ridiculous to say, oh, we can't do that because, well, you don't know what the outcome is. You've got to go through the experience and then you can come to a conclusion and decide what you're going to do with that final moment. Right. And I still think those songs are great. I mean, the, the, the cover ballad of uh, the stylistic song turned out uh, really, really well. You Are well. Everything? Yeah. yeah. And the other two tracks, which were more rocky, um, they're, they're still st- st- uh, strong tracks. And I dare say, if, if either of those were released now, I think we'd get a great reception just because oh. life, life's changed a lot in music. And uh, I agree. Yeah, I think there's just this more open-minded acceptance now of, um, yeah, let's let me check it out, and and uh, and so I've always felt it's a little bit of a shame that those are still locked away in Pete Waterman's vault somewhere back in 
back in the uh, homeland. <laughs> they'll get out at some point. And oh. uh, go ahead, Alan. Um, confession of the name. Confession. In Confess. Confessions in your book. There was one that I thought was particularly delightful. You called yourself a pop tart. <laughs> Tell me, what's your guiltiest pleasure as regards a pop record? Which one's yours? Oh, oh well, you know, I go all the way back to people like Lulu. <laughs> oh, what a voice! Yeah, what a great voice. She that should have. still. She still has the pipes, you know. She should have um, done blues. Yeah, yeah. Even Scylla. Scylla had a really potent, powerful voice, you yeah. know. And it, it's, um, it, it's a little bit. What's well, not? I was going to say for me, for me, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of girl singers, you know. Whether it's Madonna or Carly Minogue or Lady Gaga. Or Cher, really, as you mentioned in the book. Yeah, or Cher. I'm just attracted to, to, to that type of thing. Because when you think about it, there's not that many pop blokes. I, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Pop guys, you know, maybe well, Rick Astley. George Rick Michael, got an, Rick Astley. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not bringing them to the front of my brain. But somebody sent me the new Steps single the other day. And that's just that, that's just a lot of fun, you know, and and I think that's why I'm drawn to it. It's it's just got this, you know, carefree, have a great time, just you know, let loose for two and a half, three minutes, or whatever. So uh, yeah, actually, it was Ian Gittins that 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 decided to call me a pop tart. I can't really claim to uh, <laughs> to bring that up myself myself, <laughs> but I probably wear I probably wear it now. So I'm probably going to be known as Rob, the Metal God Pop Tart Halford. Rob the, the Pop Tart. Uh, <laughs> let me ask you this: <clears throat> I want to stay focused on the music, and you mentioned a lot of music in the book. Uh, when you get to the chapter about Resurrection, that album, which, and I've told you this before in interviews, is one of the greatest metal albums ever made. But reading how it went down in the book after two and Voyeurs and the whole thing. Was it almost you auditioning for Judas Priest? I mean, was this was this your audition tape? Or like, hey boys, listen to this. Take me back. I mean, that's that's sort of how I read it. Or is that just my own sort of fantasy when I read? No, it's true. There there was there was an, an attempt to create a bridge. I I also desperately was missing that type of metal experience. So. Um, on my part, hooking up with Roy Z and the rest of the guys, it was uh, an ambition uh, to make, at the time, the best metal album that I could make. And um, well, you succeeded. We, we, Holy we, Christ, we you succeeded. We didn't. We didn't really kind of have an have an agenda of, of like you know, um, this is specifically aimed for one purpose. I just genuinely wanted to get back into that vibe after the two fight records and then the the uh, the one up project with Trent and John Five. I, I was I was really missing that studio writing recording experience, and um, you know I, I'd, if if you really think about this deeply enough, I don't think that was in essence. Uh, 
part of the story of the guys going, oh, let's listen to, let's listen to Resurrection. Yeah, he's still got it. Let's have him back. I don't think that was really the case. I think the, 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 the bottom line was we wanted to reunite. We, we missed each other. You know, we missed each other as, as friends. We missed each other as musicians. We missed each, or miss, missed each other for all of the a- other aspects that you can only get from Priest when you put the band back together. And, you know, I'm not the first lead singer that went away. In a, from a metal band and did right. their thing and then came back. So um, I suppose that the, the question is open to, to a lot of points of view, but I really enjoyed that record. And, uh, you know, the writing was, was a lot of fun. And we, you could sense it from the beginning that there was something really strong happening. And then as we got in the studio and the actual sound started to come through the speakers, I just felt very comfortable again, and I was happy to be back in that world. Yeah, it, it was a great. Alan, do you have a, one more question? Because we're going to run out of time here. No, but I'm just going to pass one thing on to Rob. Uh, when my oldest son was, oh, I don't know, about 15 or so, we were driving in the car one day, and he turns around to me and he goes, so Pops, all those 80s bands, and they're all broken up now, are any of them worth getting back together? And should I go and see one? And I had a one-word answer for him. I said, "Priest." Yep, that's beautiful. Thanks, man. Yeah, you know. Oh, and he, he been... went. He went to see you, and he came back and he said, "Yeah, Dad, you're right." That's great, and that that's just another beautiful thing where we we're so lucky. We're so lucky to have you know, the next generation of young metalheads that, that uh, generously give us their time and their attention and come to a show because that's what we do. You know, we're all about um, checking each other out and these young metalheads in, in, in the crowd that come and see Priest for the next time, they, they could be the next metal band, they could be the next hard rock band, whatever. and. Uh, so that's great. And 50 years later, it's just unbelievable that, um, that we're still in this privileged position. We, we can never thank our, our fans and everyone that supported us for so long. Because without you guys, we got nothing. It's one thing to have your music, but your music doesn't really have any validity or life until you got your fans to go along uh, for the ride with you. And uh, we're still roaring down that heavy metal highway. And I have to say, and I'll finish on this, I'm very excited to see what happens to Richie Faulkner after Priest calls it up because he's still got 30 or 40 years left in him. And, and, and I'm really curious as to what he does. And I'm hoping that he puts a band together and he does something because if he just goes be the sideman in some other, I think that would be a waste of his incredible talent. So I love Priest, and I want you to go on for another 10 years, but I also want you to retire because I, I, I want to see what Richie's going to do. And, you know, I mean I that. I do, up. too. Hey, yeah. Mitch, I do, too, man. He, he's extraordinary. And you wait till you hear what he's doing on these next new songs. You think he was good on Firepower. You think he was good. On, you wait till you hear what he's doing now. He has, he has grown exponentially at such an incredible speed. He, he's really shown you how if your, con- if your conviction is strong enough and your determination is strong enough to carve out 
a really strong, substantial place for yourself. You've got to work hard. And he's worked really, really hard since he joined this band. Yeah. Uh, when he came in to us with Redeemer of Souls, he was kind of fe- finding, feeling his way around. Then he got kind of solid with, with firepower. But man, you want to hear what he's doing now. It's absolutely sensational. So absolutely I'm like you. I'm like you. I, I really feel that he's got, a, you know, a long, long life in in uh, in metal or rock or, or however he, he chooses to display himself as a as a musician, as a as a metal metal guitar player or whatever. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there, hopefully, in the front row with you, Mitch. <laughs> You'll be there, too. Yeah, I'm hoping, anyway. Uh, Rob Halford, Confess, is available now. Great book. Thank you. That we. Uh, I wish we had 45 minutes and not 15, but that's the way it goes. Alan, uh, last words? Good to see you again. And I have to say, how do you look so young and amazing living in the heat? It's <laughs> the lighting. <laughs> it's all lighting, lighting and making. Yeah, it's all light. It's all smoke and mirrors. I'm really, I'm really a deep fake. That's what I have. <laughs> deep fake things. I'm going to take my deep fake. I'm going to take my deep fake face off after this Zoom. <laughs> Look like a zombie. Heavy metal zombie. Hey guys, it's been a blast. I really, it was Thank a you. lovely time. Thank you so much for the interview. Absolutely. And uh, everybody, stay safe. I wish you a, a scary heavy metal Halloween. Great holiday season. And let's try and see each other in 2021. Absolutely. Thank you. Have a good, have a good Thank day, you. Rob. Cheers. See you guys. Alan, Bye-bye. stick around Bye-bye. for a second. There you go. Rob's going Rob's gonna to get out. There we go. Uh, we're still recording. And uh, we'll, we'll just, let me just finish this. What, what did you think of Rob? He's, he's got an incredible energy, even though he's been at it for 50 years and he's toured the world. And you would think, wow. That was the thing that fucked with me straight away when he said 50 years. And I sat here and thought for a minute and went, Really? Because I mean, you look at him and he looks absolutely amazing, mm-hmm. you know, and the desert sun is not kind to people. It burns them up and he looks great. He looks like he could go on stage for another 20 years. No problem whatsoever. I'm going to ask you this and, and it'll be the final question. But when you look at these bands, the Kisses and the Judas Priest and UFO and all these Elton John that have all said, it's on our last tour, we're out of here, blah, 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 goodbye. And then COVID puts them on the shelf for a year or two years. And who knows? Because these guys play festivals. You know, they're not going to go play the local bar. So they need the arenas open. They need the festivals open. And right now we don't know if that's going to happen. Do you think that that time off the road getting rested up will extend their career by an extra two or three years where they'll, they'll be like, hey, my body feels good. I've been resting. Uh, because going on the road beats the hell out of you. Well, there are two valid points there straight away. First of all, they're avoiding road wear for, for a year <laughs> and resting. And the other thing is it's going to totally remove out of the consciousness the attitude of, oh, it's summertime, we're always on the road. I mean, you heard Rob say, I'm always on the road in the summer. Well, if he loses a couple of summers, you better believe that boy's going to have some appetite to get back out there when we can start putting people into fields again and putting up stages. Um, I think it's going to make them very, very hungry to play again. 
And not only is it going to make them hungry to play, but sometimes when these bands uh, keep playing and they come back every, you know, 10 months, 12 months, there, there is fatigue on the fans. They're just like, you know, I'll catch them the next time around. Or I caught them the last time around. There's fatigue on the promoters. And so they go from, you know, 18,000 to 15,000 to 5,000. And now since there's nobody out there, I think promoters are going to be like, I want you. And fans are going to be, I want you. And the band's going to be rested. So it's almost the perfect storm for bands like Kiss, like Priest, like Elton John to go, hey, you know what? All right, we'll give you an extra couple of years because everybody wants us. And, and I know, I just think, I think it's going to be a good time. So, but how was that to reconnect with Rob Holford for you? Uh, one of the other things that crosses your mind is you sit there and you go, it doesn't seem that long ago. The memories are still clear in my head and you can go, my God, it's gone fast. And, and that's sort of how I felt about the interview. I mean, I'm looking at the book right here in front of me. It is uh, 358 pages. And it says like, all right, cover this whole book in less than 15 minutes. Okay. Uh, you know, you, 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 with somebody like Rob, you need 45. But that is not to be. But I, I loved it. I think it's good. I think we got some great content. You know? Oh, I, oh absolutely. I, you know, the only thing you can hope for in, in any interview is a little bit of revelation of who the person is. And I think if somebody watches this for 15 minutes, you get a little, a little spark of that's who Rob is. That's who Rob is. And, and the other thing is we, uh, we, we got you out of your uh, nuclear shelter for this one. So you, you, you have seen the light of day. I'm still in the nuclear fucking shelter here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and watching all the uh, the numbers go in exactly the wrong direction, and wondering what the fuck is going to happen on Tuesday, and yeah. watching people clean their ARs and AKs and so on and so forth. Next week's going to be an entertaining week. Yeah, next uh, next Tuesday or or, or Tuesday because uh, we're, I'm going to run this in a couple of days. Yeah, it's gonna it's going to be interesting, and I'm looking at. Uh, you know, Sweden has declared uh, herd immunity not working, and oops, we made a mistake. And I said, I think I sent you. Did I send you that article? Yes, I think I might you have. Did. <laughs> they went. Oops, sorry. Uh, Belgium is on a on a severe lockdown. Here in Quebec, we're on a red zone lockdown. It's just the like UK is being shuttered down again. But they haven't handled things very well in the UK either. I mean, the most abysmal um, reaction to the thing has obviously been in the United States. But I got to tell you, you know, the English can't stand up and say, oh, we did brilliant too. They fumbled it. I know, but you know, some of the government, like the Quebec government, I blame a little bit. Uh, and, 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 you know, but, but you, you couldn't, you can't just let everybody starve and not have work. So you, you sort of had to open it up, but this virus is stronger than us. It's bigger than us. So governments tried to mitigate and it's just beating us down, you know, it's, it's just, you know. Well, you know, there may come a moment of awful realization is the, the only way that we can keep economies running is by making things open. And we'll just have to deal with the consequences of that, which is an appalling thought. But yes. you know, this bug is a nasty thing. Um, you know, there have been greater numbers of people who have expired to other things in history, but... I don't think this thing's going away in a hurry, and I think it's going to be a tough 
tough road to hoe. Yeah, it is. And uh, on that, because uh, when you're on Zoom, you've got a 40 minute time limit. So we're going to, uh, I'm going to just peel out before it cuts us off. But uh, as we say, always, uh, merci beaucoup. And uh, Rob, we didn't really get a chance to say it, but merci to you for having been here today. And there we go, folks. Alan Niven, Mitch Lafon, and Rob Halford. A bientôt. The three wise men. <laughs> Bonsoir. All right. Are you still down in Phoenix? Yes, I am. Yes, I'm, I've been here through another blistering hell summer. How and, the hell uh, did you get through the fucking summers down there, Rob? <laughs> I, I, I lived down there last year, and it was murder. Yeah, yeah. well, my English blood is slowly acclimatized <laughs> to, the, uh, to the climate, although I must say... Since I first started to live here in the early 80s, it's just incrementally gotten hotter and hotter. It's, uh, but for them, usually I'm on the road. I mean, I should be on the road now with Priest on the 50th anniversary. I'm rarely here in the summertime. Yeah. So this has been a bit of a um, trial by fire to quote a Priest song from the Firepower album. Yes. You know you had more days over 100 degrees than ever before down there this year? Yes, yes. I, 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 uh, I watch the weather every night and um, they seem to make a big deal. It's almost like they're very, very gleeful about telling us how much we've suffered, you know? Well, I was, um, I was walking around in two Celsius temperatures in, in, uh, outside of Montreal today, so I'm not appreciating it. <laughs> <laughs> the weather conference. Let me just yeah, intro because now Rock Talk with Mitch Lafon.